0: Popcorn Poops is brought to you by Audible.com. Please visit audibletrial.com popcornpoops for a free audiobook and a free 30-day trial of their subscription service. Audible is the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature. Including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals, Audible.com is offering a free audiobook download to listeners of Popcorn Poops, along with a 30-day trial of their services. This week, we're recommending Norwegian Wood by Haruki Murakami, narrated by John Chancer. To download this or another audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com/popcornpoops. Again, that's audibletrial.com/popcornpoops for your free audiobook.
1: We are the popcorn poops. Hey everyone, and welcome to Popcorn Poops, the best married couple movie podcast slash commentary track hybrid audio program on the internet. My name is Dustin,
0: and I'm Jessica.
1: This month our theme is anime films, and my pick for this week's episode is Satoshi Kon's Perfect Blue from 1997.
0: If you are syncing this recording up to the movie, go ahead and start the film, and then press pause as soon as the Madhouse Vanity Card cuts to black.
1: It's time to start the movie. Sinkers, press play at the beep after the countdown. Ready? Three, two, one. Hello, Jessica.
0: Hi, How are Dustin. you? I'm fine, thank you. Are
1: you excited about the movie that we're watching?
0: I like this movie, yeah.
1: We are three, is this three, number three?
0: I think this is number three.
1: Three weeks into our month of anime what, films. What have we done so far? Uh, we did Akira the first week, uh-huh. and last week we did... The Girl Who Leapt Through Time. <laughs> I have a terrible memory, yeah, apparently. I,
0: I mean, it was my pick, and I'm sitting here blanking. Yeah,
1: um, we, we have been a little hard on the movies that we've done this month so far, I think. We have. Um, and I think that we've done movies that have been more or less loved, uh, especially Akita which we kind we of... I kinda... still
0: love The Girl Who Leapt Through Time, though. Like, no, I and know and, we, I, and said... I'm still
1: positive on both of those movies, but I feel like we we really... I don't know. I feel like we've been really hard on the movie. So uh, I I think that this is probably going to be a much more positive episode, at least from my end of things. Uh, I don't I really don't know exactly how you feel about this movie, but I really, really love this movie. And uh, it's in my opinion, I think it's the best one we've done so far this month. Um, I don't know if the next two will beat this one. Probably not. This was probably as good as it's going to get, but, um, yeah, I really, I really like this movie a lot. I think it's really, uh, dense and thematically rich and it's got a lot of great metaphors in it and, uh, it's, it's creepy and thrilling and it's all of those things. And best of all, it's short. This is like, this is like a cool hundred and what it, no, it's, it's like a, it's like an 80 minute movie or something like that. It's like a hundred or an hour and 20 minutes or something like that. You know, but
0: it still manages to do, to do the thing at the end where it's like, oh, okay, so the movie's over. Oh, wait, no. What? (laughs) Huh? Oh, I guess not.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, but yes, yeah, Satoshi Kon, who, uh, we, un- unfortunately and tragically lost, uh, in 2010, uh, due to, I think it was, I think it was pancreatic cancer. Uh, he died very young at the age of like 46, I think. I don't have any notes on that in front of me. Uh, but he was uh, a master, a master of animation. And he's, he made something like, I think it's five, five films, uh, he made, um, all of which are great.
0: By the way, before this becomes totally idle world, I guess we're too late, anyways. But when they were doing the Sentai stuff, the whole mm. time I was just like, "Oh, look at Scuba!" <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, the the town that we're really close to Scuba and Ibaraki is where I uh, work. Yeah, where you work actually is famous for the Tokusatsu shows, which I have a, here as a talking point. Uh, and Tokusatsu shows are basically uh, the best point of reference that you can give for a Western audience is Power Rangers. Right? Power Rangers uh, is. I mean, it is a tokusatsu show because it was taken from a Japanese show called something something Zuidenga, which is part of a long series of Super Sentai shows or Super Soldier shows, uh, Ranger shows, if you will. Uh, and uh, they they cut out all of like the Japanese actors in the in the in the parts were in the bits that they don't have their costumes on and replace them and with, threw
0: in Kimberly and Tommy,
1: <laughs> replace them with uh, hunky SoCal teenagers, <laughs> uh, hunky and hot, I guess. Uh, so yeah, the that, best
0: part. The best part is, please go back and watch the fight scenes and see that the Yellow Ranger, who is always a, portrayed as a girl in yes. the American show,
1: problematically in the first <laughs> series as an Asian girl. Um, the Black and Ranger being a black. That, that's man. right.
0: Oh. oh man, America. Um, but but please go back and rewatch the fight scenes and see that in the suits, our our um, our Yellow Ranger female has a strange
1: bow. <laughs> yes, indeed.
0: <laughs> in her in her fight scenes, because in Japan the Yellow Ranger was not uh, traditionally a girl. So
1: right, and and of course it's it's kind of strange that in the American version there are two, uh, f- at least in the first season there are two female rangers, uh, but only the Pink Ranger gets the skirt, and that's mm. your first hint that something is mm, right. strange. <laughs> Um but yeah, so let's let's talk about uh perfect blue.
0: Oh but first though, this this area though, this is the the place we need to mention, like the the stairway and the stage and all that kind of stuff. There are a lot of shots around our our town that are filming locations for these kind of shows. And oh that's for the Tokusatsu why, shows. Specifically, right. That's yeah. why I was why I was mentioning it in the, in that scene because they were showing like the little battle going on on the stage, and there are so many, so many places just around town yeah, where chances you chances are, to. if you've
1: ever watched Power Rangers, chances are you've seen you've Skuba. seen our town. Yeah, yeah, well, it's not our well, town, but it's close. We're, we're yeah. close to it,
0: or or towns surrounding our town. We used to so. live there,
1: um, but anyway, we start this movie, uh, and like you said, uh, audiences were watching a live Super Sentai performance, and um, these kids uh, left. And we're talking about how fake it looked, how fake it looked in real life. And that's just kind of I your love this first... shot
0: here. His hand holding her while she's dancing.
1: So creepy. This dude, this dude is awful. super creeped town. <laughs> um and and like that's your first hint the first hint that you get that this movie is really about superficiality and the superficiality of of media and like how that feeds into uh, concepts of identity and especially female identity and how uh and and ideas of celebrity and how female celebrities are expected to kind of uphold this image but they're also human beings that have feelings just like what? every human uh, imagine that what is that is that even possible? Yes, of course. But uh I mean all all that to say uh basically that this is a very strongly and profoundly and outwardly uh piece of feminist, feminist entertainment art. Uh yeah. undeniably so, I think. Um and that's it's interesting that we keep Coming across these things like, uh, I think that this this movie actually has some uh, callbacks to to Silence of the Lambs and Jodie Foster specifically. Uh, I think you gotta
0: tie that in. I'm curious. How,
1: how am I? Yes. They, they, ref, they reference Jodie Foster specifically by name in the do movie. They? Yes, they do. When? <clears throat> I'll bring it up when it comes up. But there, there are some ties to her, and uh, there are some really interesting similarities to Silence of the Lambs, uh, especially in the drama show mm. that, that, uh, yeah. that the, our main character, Mima, ends up making. Or ends up acting in
0: the investigator and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, all this stuff. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's
1: it's it's really interesting. And I uh, and I think that Satoshi Kon did that specifically because probably he's a fan of Jodie Foster, and he's probably a fan of uh, her in part because she is a feminist icon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I think that's that's pretty important. I, I think that if this film were to be remade as a like a Western live action film, then Jodie Foster w- probably was probably the ideal person to play this role um I don't know I just think it ties into to her identity her outward I don't know identity. trying to
0: imagine Jodie Foster as a pop idol in a in a frilly
1: she can do it she's an amazing actress Jessica <laughs> don't you talk about Jodie okay <laughs> anyway uh so uh outside, the the venue where the Tokusatsu show was going on, uh, these fans are talking about the the idol group Cham, uh, or Chom, and specifically talking about our main character Mima and a rumor that she'll be announcing her retirement at a performance today, which we're actually seeing her doing. Uh, and some fans identify a heckling uh, a group that heckled at uh, Cham at a show like last week or something mm-hmm. like that. We're seeing these these groups, these pockets of fans that clearly we follow get the street. Some, some foreshadowing
0: on. of it that yeah, that we, something's gonna happen with this group of people. Exactly, and, and
1: something did in fact happen with them. Um
0: there's so much commentary constantly throughout this movie from the fans.
1: Yeah. From lots. these
0: fanboys.
1: And I think the movie has actually has quite a bit to say about fandom and idol fandom and how uh and the way that it, it can and often does objectify the women in these roles. Yeah, and, of course um, it does. Uh, and how it can be very. Uh,
0: I am I am not a fan of the idol stuff in Japan. I'm not either. I think it's it, pretty it really, disgusting. It really turns me off. Um, it's really gross. I think it's a pretty pretty prime example of the kind of objectification of women that still goes on here, and um, yeah, and absolutely. and that whole thing that I really think is just super messed up, where the idea of of women as sexual creatures. Exists solely within the boundaries of not just virginity, because that's a whole thing throughout everything, everywhere, but, um, but specifically with children, with young children.
1: The most famous... Young
0: female girl, The
1: most famous idol group in Japan right now, and has been for the past several years, is a group called... As long as we've been here. As long as we've been here, is uh, AKB48, and um, I think they've gotten a little bit of Western exposure, but if you don't know them, look them up. It's a huge idol group with, like, When we say
0: huge, it's like a hundred-something members or more now. Yeah,
1: yeah, a hundred-some-odd members uh, that exist in teams. uh, Teams of, I believe, like 48 48. members each. Uh, So just, just... it's like a chorus line <laughs> it's a chorus it's line so, of so ridiculous. of idol girls that range in age from like as young as 14 years old all the way up to like 20 i think the oldest early, is like early 20s i think the oldest is like 25
0: yeah that i i can't imagine them getting much older than that and still still being a part of the group still being yeah. allowed to be a part of the group um and we have many times been in been in akiba and gone because that's where they originated, yeah. originated from um and, and gone by the headquarters and stuff where they do where they do the show. Um, gone into the store and looked at all the really fantastic maid costumes that you can buy in your package for your girlfriend or just to keep for yourself because that's cool, you know. Just you wanna stare at some clothing that a girl might wear someday. Right. Um but uh I guess I, I have a talking point about A K B specifically but but I'll bring it up later. Okay, that's fine.
1: So um, I, I wanted to say that uh, let's catch up on the story a little bit. We're not too far in. Uh, we see Mima riding the train, so she's already announced her retirement, right? She's she's announced her retirement from Cham, uh, her idol group, because she wants to move on with her career. She wants to be an actress. She wants to try something else, and she's tired of the idol shit. Uh, don't don't blame her at all for that, really. And and we've already kind of mentioned our feelings on the. On idol culture and we'll talk about it more Uh, but we get to see her do like normal things like you know riding the train and going grocery shopping and listening to music and you know remembering her performances and we get this cross cut with her performance and it's it's, we're at the very beginning of the film and it's kind of grounding this idea that she is forced to live in dual identities she's forced to live uh, with an outward celebrity identity and she also has a personal life as a person and doing they've also things.
0: they've also already started uh, trying to confuse us a little bit uh as the movie is going to do doing more a little, doing and more, a little bit and of, more. Uh,
1: editing trickery uh-huh, to where, fuck with our heads where
0: in the very beginning we we already get some strange shots where we see who we think is this main character backstage getting ready for the show and then we see a girl who wow is that the same girl grocery shopping and and then we see her on stage, and then we see her, you know, doing some other mundane things like that, and, and it makes you question, is that is that the same girl? Yeah, I, I think that is the same girl, but I guess these are flashbacks? I'm not sure if these are flashbacks or not, and that's going to start what continues throughout this entire film and just... Ramps up to the point that your head finally explodes at the end of the movie and you have no idea what's real and what's not, right, which exactly. is what happens to the character.
1: So, uh, through all this, she's she's specifically recalls a test screening review uh, for an acting job that she did at her agency where it stated that the producers want her for a drama role, but Doomy, who is her, I, I get. I I get the feeling they never say it outright, but she's her like personal assistant or her personal Mm -hmm. manager. Uh, And then there's a a man over her that I think is higher up in the agency uh, whose name is Tadokoro, I think. Uh, And Numi wants her to do something where she can sing because she's an idol after all. And that's how she's made her career. But maybe that's not what Mima wants exactly. But Numi is kind of speaking for her. And I, I believe that's the point. The point is, is that Mima is ignored in the discussions, more or less. And we see this repeated over and over and over again throughout the movie. You know, back at the concert, we can see those troublemakers that were mentioned before. They're getting drunk and they're causing uh, a fuss and disrupting the show as Mima's trying to announce her retirement. <clears throat> and we can see from the various interactions that Mima's agency uh, is frequently commandeered. Not her agency is in her her, like her job agency her talent agency but her personal agency is commandeered by those around her and although her manager Dumi puts forward that mima may have personal feelings about the direction of her career she's still not given a chance to speak in the meeting she doesn't even get to announce her retirement herself because one of the bandmates takes it from her when all of this ruckus is happening one of the other girls you know mima gets a little Bit skittish, she's nervous about making the announcement, and these guys are causing trouble, causing a fuss. And one of the other girls in the in in the idol group takes that from her, mm-hmm. right? So her agency is taken from her constantly. Uh, you know, the men outside the concert earlier were talking about a concert bootleg where Mima had to take over for her bandmate Day, uh, making them making the item you know the item that that they're talking about, which is a mini disc. It's a mm-hmm. bootleg mini disc, making that item valuable for its rarity it's Mm -hmm. rare that she does that she
0: that she has to take uh, that she has to take
1: right exactly right um so you know we're eight minutes into the film at that point we're already 14 minutes in but at the point that we have all this information we're about eight minutes in and we already know that mima has infrequent control over her own life and that's just amazing characterization it's amazing eight minutes in and you get it um so back home in her apartment Mima was doing ordinary things again. We're seeing these the you know, these this dual identity thing going on, which will play into like
0: and, the and f- also drama
1: thriller, multiple personality disorder kind of wackadoo thing that happens later on.
0: Also getting into just a little bit of, of the kind of stuff that I've talked about before that I enjoy seeing in Anime. The the very like real life Japanesey stuff where you get shots of inside their fridge and um and things like that like you can see all the spices lined up on her on her counter above her sink and you know at this point i can look at the spices and be like oh they're trying to mock the s and b brand clearly but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um <laughs> but but it's pretty cool though and some of the shots some of the city shots are cool the the views outside her window um and and just some of the very uh, getting to see inside her apartment which brings up Another important factor in this same discussion of her characterization, the first shot you get of inside her apartment is filled with toys.
1: Yes, I haven't heard about that, too. It's filled with stuffed
0: animals, and I think there's a Kewpie baby doll in there, Kewpie. There is.
1: Kewpie's a brand of condiments. Uh, uh, mayonnaise. Mayonnaise specific. Most, most famous for their mayonnaise. Um, quite delicious. Japanese it, it mayonnaise is, is quite it good. It is
0: delicious, but they, their it's mascot like is a naked, a naked baby. Yes,
1: and it's like 100% MSG.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so... So just deal with that. Um, it's delicious. It's really good. And and uh, but anyways, we we see we see all of this all of this uh, childish stuff in her room, and I think that also ties into a, another point that for me generally um, is something that I hate in anime, and that's when we get the the baby voice with our female characters. Uh, And the thing that this movie does that's so cool is that it takes that and it uses it to to it takes the pitch, the literal pitch of her of her voice to show how her character is transforming. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: Absolutely. Uh, And that's another interesting thing about this movie is that one of the criticisms of this movie, especially criticized in the West, was that. Western film critics didn't understand why the movie was animated and not just live action. And to me, there's a lot that goes into that. I think this movie is perfect for the animation medium. I'm going to talk about certain scenes later that I don't think could be done in live action. I think that certain things are thematically stronger because it is animated. Uh, I think that the movie works better as a piece of animation. Well, I
0: think, th- I think the question of whether, whether or not this should have been an animated movie also comes from the what i think is changing uh mindset that animation is something for children that it's associated with children yeah. and i think in the west that's slowly starting to it's turning around turned around yeah, yeah, definitely. but here in in the east it has for a very long time been turned around that hasn't been the case for a very long time that animation can be for adults or it can be for children sure. and um
1: and in the west i think that it's taking a turn that I mean, f- the more recent popular shows are shows that are enjoyed by both children and adults. I'm talking about things like
0: Adventure Time, Adventure
1: time and uh, Steven Universe and, you know, stuff like that, you know, to even like Chowder, f- Flapjack. And- but in the
0: East, of course, it, it animation is a something only for children. That concept hasn't existed for a very long time. I mean, just if look at their ever,
1: porn. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so- exactly. Uh, but you you were talking about the the trope the trope of the the, right, baby, the, of the girl. baby voice right the trope of the baby
0: voice that that oh god it really it really irritates me because because it's so often used in, in anime these days. And
1: it's, and it's used to you know to kind of show her transformation as she moves away from that persona. Another trope that I think is is used a little bit more subtly uh, is in that scene in her apartment when she's laying on her bed. There's a sh- the shot that has the Cupy baby that we talked about before. Mm-hmm. I, you can barely notice it unless you're looking for it, but there's a mirror in that shot off to the left of the frame, and you can see her panties.
0: I did not notice There's that. There's a
1: panty shot in this film. And for those of you who don't know why that's significant panty shot, uh, the panty shots are are a trope in in animation um, or in anime specifically that anime is kind of famous for. And I think it's actually brilliantly used in that shot to tie into, uh, I guess it's a theme, it's sort of a theme, a theme of voyeurism that's woven throughout the movie. Mm. Um we just saw the hint for, the, for this episode. Uh, it was a shot of the city. It was a cityscape. Uh, and two people got it, Alex Cooper Webster from Facebook and Matt Garrison on Twitter, who can be found at at Mashu underscore G. Uh, they didn't have any plugs or anything like that. But yeah, they both got it. Good job. Good job. Um, so we're, we're falling behind on the story a little bit. In that earlier scene in the apartment, um, she opens up a fan letter that she received outside the concert from someone who says he enjoys looking into Mima's room or he, he enjoys looking at Mima's room all the time and which struck her as kind of strange. And she opens up the letter and uh, and she sees what is what she doesn't understand because she's kind of techno ignorant, <laughs> Te- techno stupid. She doesn't know anything about the Internet. Granted, it's 1997. Right. But there's terminology there. And
0: also, it's Japan. And as strange as it may sound, personal computers, like regularly being used in people's homes, didn't catch on as quickly here in the experience that I've had here in Japan um, and the experience that we had when we first visited uh, a while ago. Gosh, that's been almost 10 years ago now. Um, But because of that, it's not that strange to me to, to. see someone not knowing how to use a computer even in 97.
1: But in the, in the letter, she basically learns that, that Mima's room is a website. She takes it to her manager who confirms this and her manager sets her up with, uh, with the internet. So, She's looking at the Internet right now. She's going to find Mima's room, which she discovers is basically it's it's a fan website that has a diary that's written in the first person as though it's written by her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the things that they write about are not they're they're not so specific that they they would have to be things that came from inside her own head. But they're very strange because they're specific enough that it's clear that someone's watching her. Uh, talking about like uh, what foot she steps uses, off.
0: Well, not just the train, but to get into the bathtub with and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, right.
1: To to get into the bathtub and to to you know to get on, off the train and how she when she gets off the train, starting with her left foot instead of her right. It you know it's kind of like you know, getting she, out of the wrong side of the bed and whatnot.
0: Playing into the the characterization of her being in the beginning such a character that that I don't like at the beginning of this story this ignorant childish girl who who almost she wants to appear ignorant like that's that's the way the only way I can justify it is that it feels like she almost wants to look stupid when she first starts reading this right now she's getting panicked and the the music is ramping up and and it's this great effect but when she's first reading this it's just like haha ha, how could they know so much about me you Wow, which person really know which knows person, me really well which person i get in which or which foot i get into the bathtub with first and i'm just like oh my god if if i read any any red anything, flag red I'd flag like, whoa, city whoa whoa what what the fuck but it takes her a while this is a before she gets a red flag warehouse out. where they're having
1: a liquidation <laughs> sale like it's serious uh, so this drama that they're shooting that's that has the title of Double Bind I think is that right Double Bind mm-hmm. Um the scene that they were talking about before uh they're they were running lines for this scene and they're talking about a killer who skins women because he wants to be a uh, woman
0: Okay yeah
1: That is Silence of the Lambs Yeah it is <laughs> Like You're 100% right. so You're right. You know, we're we're tying back to that and then later in the movie they will. I'll bring it up when it happens. But they're gonna mention Jody Foster by name.
0: You're you're a hundred percent right about that.
1: Yep. Um so uh I think that it, it it is important to note that at this point, all of the diaries of or the details of the diary are things that could be all observed by a third party. So the possibility of some kind of dissociative personality disorder is still kind of hard to pin down. Like mm. they're going to play with that a little bit later, but it's all gradual. They're going to play
0: with it a lot later.
1: Yeah, yeah, quite a, quite a bit later. Uh, uh, that some would describe this movie as confusing. Uh, I don't think it's that confusing I think it's pretty clear there's w-
0: I don't think it's confusing but I think there's there is an absolutely uh, solid reason to feel like there's an ambiguous ending to this movie or not an ambiguous ending but an ambiguous uh, theory about this movie about what what actually was happening the entire movie Yeah. Um, and we'll definitely talk about that when we get there.
1: Yeah, I, actually, after she read the letter <clears throat> that, that said where uh, the information about where they could find where she could find the website, the Mima's Room website, uh, she, there was also a fax that came in suddenly that looked like kind of like a ransom note pasted together from uh, from newspaper clippings that said traitor all over it. Traitor mm-hmm. in Japanese. <clears throat> the w- specific Japanese word used uh, in on the the fax uh, is Uragirimono uh which is actually a different word but a synonym to the word naitsusha which was mentioned in our akita episode when we were talking about the mole in mm, the council yeah. um, it's kind of a syn- synonym kind of the same thing kind of kind of uh but a different word so that's your japanese lesson for the for the day <laughs> i'm
0: sure that's what you all came here for
1: yeah uh the, the, there was a, a in this meeting that we saw between Tadokoro and, uh, and Dumi, um, Tadokoro mentions that the fact that Dumi used to be a pop idol herself, which is interesting characterization that will kind of come around later. Um, but is also kind of ruined by the ending. That's, that's one thing I'm not going to bury the lead on it. The ending to this movie fucking sucks. It sucks. It's terrible. It's a bad. Mm. It's a bad ending. Oh, I love
0: this moment here where she's getting off the train and she's gonna she's gonna question which which foot she gets off with. But honestly, right, exactly, I yeah. kind of don't like that they show us they show us a flashback to to the line on the. Uh,
1: it's a little on the nose. Like it, we can remember it was like two minutes I, ago.
0: <laughs> I appreciate it when when you just assume that I'm smart enough. And why why does anime do that? Not just anime, but all Japanese movies. I feel like. Nine times out of ten, you have this this frustrating balance of giving too much information and then not giving enough information. Yeah,
1: that, that happens a lot
0: where right here i don't need you to remind me that she just like 20 seconds ago read this line well, I mean, one on thing, the website
1: one thing that i really appreciate about this movie is that even though it does stuff like that that is not even close to as terrible as the convenient internal monologue that shows up whenever it's necessary to just tell you straight out what's inside a yeah, character's of course. head of shit course. shit that would not fly in a live action film yeah, it otherwise. would not fly uh, and the, the, I didn't mention it last week, but there's a bit of that in The Girl Who Left For Time.
0: There is a little bit of that. There is a bit
1: That's of that. And, and because it's so sparingly used, that it's kind of a pet peeve of mine. I hate internal monologue, uh, especially the way it's used in anime, uh, because it's just a shortcut. It's a shortcut for yeah, it is. for telling the story a for better actually, way. <laughs> actually <laughs> for actually, actually th- thinking about, okay,
0: well, how can we actually... What? I mean, you're breaking the most basic of all rules in writing, yeah. right? Show don't tell.
1: This movie doesn't have any of that, uh, as far as I remember. And if it does, it's hidden well enough that I didn't notice it, which is kind of, you know, which is good.
0: So, what's up with the frog eyes being bad characters?
1: Yeah, man, that's 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 the thing. I think that in this movie, it's a (laughs) I think it's kind of a shorthand, like visual shorthand for, uh, once you get to the end of the movie, you realize, oh, all of oh. the people whose eyes are, like, way too far apart
0: <laughs> they are all bad, are guys. bad people. <laughs> also, all the people who, I mean, the way too far apart eyes thing makes them unattractive. And that's one thing that I actually kind of am irritated about at the end of this movie. We talk about it being a great feminist piece, but I kind of got pissy at the fact that, that like, Rumi is shown to be, uh, that she's jealous, you know? Uh, and that she's overweight that she's unattractive and
1: that's the one and that's the thing that I think the ending ruins for this movie I think the ending and we'll talk about it when we get there but the ending uh, basically gives both characters of Mima and Doomy the short end of the stick I think so really really does because it paints it especially paints Doomy as uh, a character that's not not only mentally ill and that's the I think that's what we should take away from right, Dooney as a fine. character that's, is that, that she is men, she is mentally message. ill. Period. Right. But there there are some little hints thrown in here and there that inform her mental illness as being I don't know caused from being an embittered older idol, like right. former idol. She's not young anymore. She's not young she's anymore. She's not attractive she's anymore. Which she's is not a, thin anymore. Yeah, exactly. Which I think that the that the movie. Cone, I don't think intended to say that. I definitely don't think he intended to to portray it that way. But I think that the as literal as the ending is about where Numi ends up and why she ends up doing the things she does and how it's not really explained. That's the conclusion that you have to come to, and that shitty ending is it, it can be blamed for that. So we'll we'll talk about that more. But yes, I I definitely agree with that.
0: Oh gosh! And here here is Ooh, this is, is the is... scene. The scene where it's not not the the scene, scene. (laughs) but the scene that that leads us to the scene. Um she's being she's being told, or I mean, I wanna say asked, but it doesn't really feel like that, uh, that the next scene in the drama that the script writer has written for her is a rape scene.
1: Yeah.
0: And Rumi is is really fighting for uh, Mima to not do this scene, and her male agent is really trying to push that she'll do it and Mima comes out you know in still with her high pitched happy voice, I'll do it, it's okay. I really want to be an actress the The worst part of this is when she she talks about her parents and she's about to say she's it, about to say it here and and she's about she's <laughs> it's not a real rape and and she's about to say uh
1: yeah, I'm, I'm sure my parents. What is it? I'm. Sh-
0: I'm. Sh- I'm sure my parents will be shocked or something like to that. To see
1: me like that. <laughs> and then and she, she laughs. And I'm just like, oh, I puked. Oh, I puked. Oh in my mouth. god. Oh my god. It's oh terrible. God. It's a terrible feeling. Um. But yeah. like
0: I said, it plays into the thing that that I really. Eh, it, it it feels like it vindicates me somehow when when I get so frustrated at the whole uh, high pitched squeaky girly voice in anime the whole ah mina sa is just this irritating thing where it's trying to purposefully sexualize young women uh, children yeah and this movie takes that and turns it around she's using that voice while she's talking about it's not a real rape
1: yeah. And it's it and it's troubling and it's and it's I think um, indicative of the how how would you say it? It's indicative of of kind of the um, explaining away or the absolving of rape culture that that we live in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how it's just like, oh well, it's not the real thing, so it's fine. You so know, it's okay. It's like yeah. it's okay. It's no big deal. It's like, no, no, no. I mean, let's think about that. And she's, you know, although she's she is playing the victim of this this rape, she's also speaking the truth of how how problematic that is in our society. How po- problematic that mindset is in our society. That oh well, it's it's not real. Like as it, it, as long as it's not real, that's fine. It's like no, it's not about how real or not real it is. It's about how it in informs the culture how it informs right. people of the nature of rape and what it what is are we, and what how are it we damages saying about a person this? what are
0: we using this to show exactly. is it something that's going to help stop rape is it something that's going to is it
1: responsible is right. it, and, and none of that is discussed or disgust. is
0: it like this where it's just the the scene to show a crime it's and, lascivious. A, and a as far drama. as we
1: can tell because we don't know like the you know the ins and outs of the narrative of the film or the, the series that she's making but we can presume that it is lasciviousness for the sake of lasciviousness to get right? viewers right exactly and that's how they that is also how they frame it because you know the the writer shibuya who actually gets punished for writing the scene he does get killed for writing the scene uh, when he talks about, you know, he's got this really drastic idea and he doesn't know if her, you know, Mima will be okay with it or specifically if her agency will be okay with it. But he's going to write it anyway because it's going to get crazy good numbers and shit like that. Yeah. That's how it's framed. That it's not about, you know, we're not talking about rape. We're just showing rape because it's shocking.
0: Because it's shocking. So so this... um this is the scene, right in the movie. This is
1: the scene. I've got a whole chunk of that notes we were talking talk about. about.
0: The yeah. one, the one thing, and I'll let you, I'll let you get at it because you probably have a lot more to say since this is your pick for a movie and you know it a lot better than me. Um, the one thing here that really sticks with me when I watch this is the fact that you, you hit a point very soon where you don't know what's real and you don't know what's not real. She's screaming for them to stop, and there's a part of you that's thinking. This is the real girl. This isn't the character. These, these exactly. aren't the lines. This is the real Mima saying, this is too far, and I'm not comfortable anymore. My breasts are exposed now. I'm terrified now, and I actually want this to stop.
1: So this is this is an incredibly hard scene to watch. It's incredibly hard to watch.
0: And the stopping. Ugh. Oh,
1: and that, yeah. And it just makes it surreal. It makes it, like, beyond unreal like it's this it's this weird thing where you I don't know you don't feel like this is really happening but you can see it happening and it's just it's too much almost
0: and that this movie goes there so so drastically all it
1: but it's to me it's absolutely thematically relevant and here's why i think that starting off when the director cuts which we talked about and re- reality returns to the scene Uh, and everything's quiet and, you know, he apologizes, the actor working with her apologizes for, you know, doing the scene and she's like, no, no, it's fine. It makes the scene feel really surreal. And the longer the take goes on, the less it feels like acting, like you were saying, right? Mm-hmm. There's a distinct moment, and it's coming up. There is a distinct moment when Mima stops acting, and she has to remove herself emotionally from this moment.
0: Yes, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about.
1: And, and it's about to, right here. Uh, right here. Her eyes yeah. die. Her, her eyes die,
0: die, and she focuses on the lights and stuff overhead, um, she she's just looking around and and you realize she's not acting anymore.
1: This and this furthers kind of this blurring of reality and fantasy that this movie's playing with these themes of of you know what's real and what's not real and you know how can illusion be used to pernicious ends I suppose and it kind of begins to feel like a house of mirrors right a kind of an illusion that stretches into infinity yeah so I what you're saying think of it this way a rape scene in a film is of course simulated right. Of course. But what we see in Perfect Blue is a simulated, simulated rape scene. Yes? Right? Are you okay. following so far? Uh, not to mention the fact that it's animated, which is a third level of simulation okay. and another yeah. reason why the f- I think it's important that the film is, is uh, an animated piece of art. The point of which is to become, ultimately, a real rape scene, something that happens when Mima leans back and her eyes go dead. Right? So mm-hmm. we've got three levels of simulation. It's a simulation of a simulation of a simulation of a rape scene. That becomes a rape scene the longer the scene goes on because it feels like a real right. one. And the moment that she removes herself emotionally, you're like, this is a woman that's being raped. Period. Yeah. Even if it's not physically, she's being emotionally raped right now. Yeah. And um, so I think that this speaks to what happens in films where so-called real simulated rape takes place. And I think this scene says a lot, not only about, you know, ideas that are insular to this film, but ideas in film as a medium. You know, Numi is crying in that booth. It is the perfect way to end the scene because although the rape is fake on at least three different levels, something real is happening. Something real is happening to Mima. Something real is happening to Numi. And Mm -hmm. that's important. So, you know, I, I think all of that ties in and I think it's a it's it's a hard scene to watch. It's a triggering scene, obviously, yeah. uh, but it's thematically relevant uh, and responsible and important. Yeah, I, I really believe so. Of course it is. So um,
0: I, I I hope that's something that doesn't even have to be questioned. But I'm sure that there are a lot of people out there who probably.
1: Yeah, feel differently. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And if if you disagree, um, I i I would like to hear from you if, if you know if you want to leave us a comment on our social media or send us an email or something like that. I would like to hear your 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 take on that because that's you know I, I find this stuff interesting. So um,
0: I love that the thing that breaks her that breaks her is her fish,
1: and that's the thing. It's something that seems so small, but it's it's kind of just her
0: fish being dead makes her snap. Where she's in the car and she's like, "Lucky, Donna, right." You know, talking about getting to go out to eat and stuff and uh, like just acting like it's nobody. Here, the fish are alive though. What's up with the fish? The fish are dead and alive repeatedly in this movie. Illusion and reality.
1: Illusion and reality. So many
0: times in this movie, you constantly, we're about halfway through now. And at this point forward,
1: I can't you, believe we're halfway through. This movie is so short.
0: It is. But from this point forward, you really just start questioning and questioning and questioning and going is this real? Is this and and so many times I I hit these moments where like right now we can see we can see it's a camera. We can see she's being filmed. But they stop doing that. They stop giving us hints like yeah, this. Yeah, they
1: stop and they've already stopped. They're the first scene that they did it with is Uh, A moment when she's walking on the street and someone approaches her and asks if she's, you know, she has any representation from a Mm -hmm. modeling agency,
0: and you're like, oh, this this is is, this is just her, this This is just her walking down
1: the street, and then it shows that they're setting up the next shot, and you're like, oh wow, okay, oh wow,
0: it's okay, and then so many times you'll you'll keep getting pulled from that where it's like, oh wait, no wait, we're we're filming the show right now, and then it'll be like, oh no wait, she's just waking up, she was dreaming about filming the show right now, and then. You know something else will happen that pulls you back again and and you start to lose like whatever thread you're on whatever line Mm -hmm, you're on mm -hmm. you start to get confused and
1: and the movie becomes more and more fragmented especially there's a point in which she starts waking up in her room over and over again. Uh and, yeah. and you're not sure like what sh- where is she was before. Is this a is flashback? Is this real? Is Did this... she just come from something real? Was she dreaming? And and like all of that is is pretty unclear. And that's of course the and point. And so
0: and so when you say this movie is confusing, and when I use the word when I say that you know that you start to get confused or whatever, I don't mean that in a negative way. Like oh this this writing is must mess- messy, and I mean it in the sense that the the uh, the director wants you to feel the way the character feels. Yes. And the character is confused. The and the character lost. doesn't the character know what's is, real. Yeah, absolutely. And so they're making it so that you don't know what's real. And that's just good writing.
1: I missed the scene where they mentioned Jodie Foster. It's actually in the scene where they're discussing doing the rape scene. Uh, and <clears throat> Tadokoro actually mentions, jo- quote, Jodie, what's her name? Right. And he's referring to Jodie Foster's performance in uh, Jonathan Kaplan's 1988 film, The Accused, in which Foster plays a woman who is gang raped. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's it's obvious the connection that's that was made there. You know, Here. that's another scene, the, the the scene in the agency there when they discuss the rape scene. Her choices are talked about in her presence without her input until she kind of speaks up very meekish, meekishly. Right. And I think it's interesting how well the concept of personal agency and the organizational agency of, you know, a company like a talent agency. Mm. I, I'm surprised how well that works in English as the two concepts are different words entirely in Japanese. But really? this movie plays with the concept of personal agency. Mm, and, yeah. you know, it's it's almost in in a lot of ways really yeah, focused really... on her talent agency. And I don't know. That's interesting.
0: It is really interesting. Um, uh, one of the other things here with uh differences in language and stuff and how things can be read um uh, we just had the scene where she starts to to feel like she's validated and believing that there's another mima that 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 she's seeing someone that she's having visions right. whatever and then she's reading the mima's room stuff on the website and it starts to drive her nuts um when the other mima this vision of herself pops out and starts dancing around and and yelling at her the translation uh reads something like you're a filthy woman now yeah um i i feel like that translation maybe gives connotations that aren't exactly what what it was really going for because when i hear you're a filthy woman now in a japanese movie that's about this kind of thing i get this image of like uh the cultural beliefs behind the idea that that once a woman is a woman specifically, that, that she's tarnished. Like, that maturity makes her tarnished. Maturity
1: makes her unwanted. Um, we, we talked about this a little bit. We've in, talked about it before. In, uh, I think last week during The Girl Who Leapt Through Time. Right.
0: Um, um, but, but the actual translation doesn't have anything to do with being an adult woman. It's, it's actually closer to you've become dirty.
1: Yeah. Tarnished.
0: So so which, of course, can play into the concept of like purity and virginity and losing that, which, again, is is just a different way to go around saying you're a woman now or you're not a woman now or something. But but I think that that the translation there does matter a little bit because because I really do stick to 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 that uh, cultural belief. I I stick to. Uh, believing that I see it all the time in anime yeah. and things like that.
1: Well, there, and, you know, I've got a note about this, but there's <clears throat> there's a lot to be said about the insanely unattainable idea of purity that idols are framed in, that yes. idol culture kind of frames women in in Here Japan. Yeah, we can
0: talk about the AKB thing, too.
1: It's, it is so extreme that they're often, I don't know if people out there notice this, but uh, th- that idols in Japan are often punished by their agencies for having relationships. That's... Especially if the relationship goes public in some way.
0: Well, the one example of that I was going to talk about is the AKB 48 boyfriend scandal that happened last February. Yeah. Um, uh, not in 2013 is actually what I mean to say. Oh, okay. It was actually not last February, but in February of 2013, um, one of the members, uh, Minami Minegishi, she there were photos of her boyfriend leaving her apartment that were leaked onto the internet. And within hours of that happening, she shaved her head as a traditional show of contrition in Japan. Yep. And she posted almost a four-minute-long apology video on YouTube.
1: With her sobbing.
0: With her sobbing.
1: Sobbing and apologizing to fans for having a boyfriend. And we're talking about a woman that's in her 20s.
0: Yeah. I think at the time she was 20 years old. Um, And this is because idols, in many cases, definitely in AKB and I'm certain in most other cases as well, are not allowed to date. It's in their contracts that they're not allowed to date. And the reason they're not allowed to date is because there is an illusion of purity that must be kept so that men can fantasize that the girls don't have sex or romantic relationships with anyone else so that these men can in their own fantasies be the only man who would ever be with that girl it's utterly disgusting and one of the most base vile objectifying examples of misogyny that and we, exists
1: you know we talked about this a little bit last week i mentioned the the moe moe culture in in japan uh i didn't explain what moe means moe uh it means like burning um and it refers specifically to like having like a burning feeling in your heart for someone like a crush it's like a crush uh, and last week during the girl who left their time episode, I, uh, I talked about how it's basically like this, this feeling that's got like an undercurrent of sexuality, but it's outwardly not supposed to be sexual where, uh, men will, will find, uh, really, really young girls usually, uh, in, especially in anime, uh, attractive, and the reason and, they find and them. Just
0: is, in case you're wondering if you haven't seen the girl who leapt through time or listened to that episode, we were talking about that movie being an example of not having Moe in it, so. right? <laughs> <laughs> so. Yes,
1: um, but it's um, yeah. Ba- basically, it comes from this this place where uh, the admirer, the male, in in this case, usually. Uh, is, has like this feeling of wanting to protect the girl, wanting to be like a big brother figure, wanting to uh, have the girl rely on him, and, and that's what he finds attractive. Take care of her. And the idea of being sexual with the girl, or the girl being sexual in any way, is is, you know, it's kind of, it's supposed to be repulsive, but it's also kind of dirty and yeah. nice because it's, it's, it's repulsive it's, it's, it's there you it's know, totally un, there. under the surface yeah, right for
0: sure. when her breasts bump up against him when they're close and then they both get flushed cheeks yeah right yeah it's all over the place and <laughs> um uh the whole the whole concept of the idol thing in in this movie is it's perfectly shown that the extent to which it goes is perfectly shown because we have people doing incredibly crazy things for this girl who they don't know
1: yeah
0: um and and the fantasies and stuff that the men in this movie uh and also a woman in this movie too but well, look uh, at the audience it's all men it's
1: all men and that's absolutely true and and it's 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 it, it's something that i don't entirely understand but i do understand it on a certain level uh i've been to like performances for idol groups that are very, very small groups. And there are there are groups that are huge, like AKB forty eight that have, you know, number one hits on the radio and they're the biggest group all the time. They're the biggest musical acts in Japan. And then there are groups that are idol groups like that that are very very small like almost like indie band level small where they don't have a record deal and you know they tour on their own dime and, they and they're trying to the make And they still have the fans it. I bet. And they still have a small pocket of fans that follow them around, memorize all of the words to their songs, do things like actually one of the things that's most noticeable is that they memorize all of the dance moves, which in Japan, the idol dance moves are very heavy on like hand gestures and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And you can go to an idol performance and there will be men in the crowd from.
0: I love a- this shot of her in the bathtub.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's great.
0: Just like in the fetal position.
1: Uh, Aged from like 25 all the way up to in their 40s, doing all of the hand movements and singing along to every single song. And sometimes they even do things like have have glow sticks that they use to, you know, wave in the air. But it has to be the right color for the right song. So this song is the green glow stick and the next Mm -hmm. song is the red glow stick. And you better know it if you're a good fan and everyone has the same color for the same song. It's very strange, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's fandoms so.
0: and and I mean and, and I mean let's be honest here the costumes these girls wear let's go back to the point that I keep talking about where it's sexualization of children where where the costumes that these girls wear in the idol groups are infantilized really yeah, exactly. little girl baby these girls costumes are, are
1: in, infantilized fantasized what's the what's the
0: infanticide is infanticide. when you kill no no, no infant- but
1: infant infant oh whatever you know what I mean.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um but but
1: <laughs> fuck it
0: <laughs> as a as a kindergarten teacher right when my little girls come in wearing the same kind of clothes on our like princess fairy tale pancake party and they come in wearing the same frilly kind of crap that akb girls wear in their 20s don't tell me there's not a connection yeah, course, that that's that that's not what what is the image that is trying to be drawn. Of course it is.
1: So you're, we're, we talked about the fans. Uh, aside from this character that we're seeing right now, Me Mania, who is i mean he's totally fucking creepy and gross so creepy <laughs> like and he's supposed to be he's, he's oh
0: when he goes around and he buys all the magazines that have they're her, all piled her up, naked yeah from her for because her he new doesn't photo want shoot. anyone else to see he them he doesn't
1: want anyone to see her naked because it's it besmirches you and know, it
0: ruins the illusion it, for him right
1: it it ruins the illusion that she is totally pure and if anyone is going to deflower her it's going to be him you know right. that kind of thing right. and that's you know that's where that that's comes from that's
0: absolutely where it comes from
1: aside from him aside from that character how, what do you think of the fans? How are the fans portrayed in the movie? i think, think I have an idea about what the fans are, but I want to hear what you think
0: i think they I think they uh they're portrayed pretty realistically for the way fans act here, but maybe even a little more sympathetically than I think they deserve.
1: We we keep seeing the same three fans, and those same three fans are always being eaves- eavesdropped on by the me Mania crazy mm-hmm. fan character. Yeah. Uh, and they're always talking and commenting on the events of the film. So are film. you, you
0: going to call it like a Greek chorus or something That's again? the note
1: I have is that the, those fans are the Greek chorus of this movie. Okay. I really feel like they are. I can see are. that. Uh, it's 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 really interesting and you know they comment on the events of the narrative and also deliver bits uh, of information to the audience but they
0: have an opinion though and we're supposed to have an opinion of
1: them yes that's true that is true
0: um, they they're they're definitely people that we're supposed to be getting something from them that that these people are wrong they're judging a person who they don't know and they're judging what she should be doing with her life and what's correct and what's not correct and they have no idea who she is and 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 I think the movie is commenting on that, on, commenting on how that's sick, and how let's be real, like they're not that far away from creepy stalker stalker guy who's putting up a web page and stuff.
1: No, yeah.
0: I mean they're they're a distance away from him, but they're still out there buying her little rare mini disc recordings and shit like that. That's messed up. It's scary.
1: It is like the like the obsession. The, the level obsession of obsession is scary. Is. is frightening it is is really frightening um i wanted to talk about so the 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 use of the internet in this movie again it's 1997 how ignorant mima is to technology and the internet is laughable now it's it is i think it's laughable now but it can be forgiven because of you know how old the movie is Uh, and
0: because it was in japan again
1: right I do love how the movie uses this website, the Mima's Room website, as an instrument for introducing self-doubt into Mima, uh, and I think that there's some under or unstated rather, unstated fear uh, that this might be her subconscious manifesting itself mm-hmm. somehow and that causing. That she's her... actually
0: doing the website that she's making it
1: exactly, and it's and it's causing her to like question her choices and things like that. Now, despite all of the laughably dated references and all the techno ignorance on display in the movie, I think Satoshi Kon was really way ahead of the curve on using anonymity of cyberspace to explore human psychology. Yeah, um, I I don't I can't think of another example that's earlier than this that explores human exploring human, sci-
0: human psychology from, specifically and,
1: and and taking that angle of of you know internet internet anonymity i'm sure um, there I'm which is sure something there is, that's though. all over the place now like we talk about it all the time in in media um but in 1997 we didn't talk about it all the time i think this is really kind of even think
0: about the way. moment when when later on when she's gonna look out her window and she's gonna say this isn't my room
1: yes yep
0: i mean that's definitely it's definitely a play on mima's room the website um uh, and here's where things start to get really confusing. Yeah, she
1: just woke up. I think she just woke up in her room for the first time. And, and we're gonna she st- had
0: just like run out of a building, but it had been after... After she had been doing a scene where we thought she was actually talking to her her, her sort of uh, like sensei in this case, like her elder, the actress, Ari, who she's working with. Yeah. And I thought they were having a serious conversation the first time. I thought it was the two of them actually talking and her getting some advice. And then you realize, no, they're filming a scene. And then you realize... No, maybe she's dreaming, and then you realize no, she's in the agency and she's running into the street and she gets hit by a truck. But no, she wakes up in a room. She's asleep,
1: so when did all these things happen? And Uh, you
0: don't know what's a flashback anymore. You don't know what's a flashback. You don't know what's acting. You don't know what's real.
1: You don't know what's illusion and you don't know what's reality, which is at the core of the movie. Yeah, yep, just like Mima you are the character we are right. we are watching this world through her eyes
0: we're going through a transition just as she is going through a transition and that that to me is the perfect kind of like like symbolism in art the perfect kind of that's where generally i'm not ultra crazy about experimental art and things like that mm. but this is the kind of example of it where i love it i love it when when an artist can make the audience feel what the character is feeling, that that's how they get across their point. Is by this character doesn't know what's real and what's not, so we're going to make the audience not be able to tell what's real and what's not. Right. I think it's brilliant,
1: and I, I think that that um, you know the and the fact that it's animated, uh, like I said before, I think the fact that it's animated really helps in blurring that line. Uh, I think that it. I think that it probably wouldn't be as, uh, I don't know, I guess, uh, unclear or cloudy. Uh, it would be harder to blur the lines in, um, in live action because you can do anything in animation. You can do anything in animation and everything looks like it belongs in the world that you draw into it. Right. Everything. Everything. Uh, and I think that's one of the great that that's that was one of the great early revelations of uh, the the magic of animation that I discovered when I was young. Is Listen that, to how
0: deep her voice is now, by the way.
1: Oh, comparatively
0: compared to yeah. compared to the beginning of the movie.
1: Um, yeah, that that was one of the first revelations that I had about animation as a medium when I was young. Is that um, in live action uh, when you use animation like CG animation and you mix it with live action like you know most movies do today there's still something in the human eye there's something in the mind that knows that the thing that you're looking at isn't really there mm-hmm. right especially when it's put forward and it's you know the subject of a scene uh, i think CG used like in the background and stuff like that can be used to enhance films and i think that's it, that's when it's used the best but animation uh, as a medium is wonderful for being able to allow allowing the art uh, the artist to put anything they want into this world and it's seamless absolutely seamless and the seamlessness of this film really contributes in a heavy way in a big bad way uh to that feeling that that blurring of illusion mm. and reality and you know is it or isn't it what's going on what's going on in her head and 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 when you blur that line between illusion and re- reality you're speaking directly to the line that is blurred between the two lives that celebrities have to live yeah um
0: absolutely and the way this movie plays with acting yeah plays with acting constantly it has a lot to say about about uh, the profession of acting and and
1: it it frame i mean it it frames it in a very specifically female feminist perspective from the perspective of a woman who's working in the japanese entertainment industry that hops from you know the the idol scene which is something that the way it's it's uh displayed in this movie is very accurate i think Mm -hmm. uh and uh very specific to japan this kind of entertainment uh and then you know you've got you've got scenes like the one we're watching now, where it appears as though uh, Mima is stabbing the photographer to death. The photographer that uh, that the took way all the nude photos yeah, it yeah took all the nude photos of her, and it's kind of framed in a way the audience is meant to believe that the photographer is uh, really good at getting his his subjects to take off their clothes. That's mm-hmm. what we hear from you know from uh, from her old cham uh, buddies. friends her old partners and
0: they're not so much friends anymore though yeah and they and the and they kind of of, abandon her yeah exactly but she abandons them to be fair
1: yeah that's true and there's i've got a i've got a note about that too um In that scene, even the stabbing is very, very specific. And the stabbings throughout the movie continue to be very, very specific because uh, this concept of perception and the way you look at media with your eyes and you perceive women with your eyes and objectify women with With your your eyes. eyes. Mm. Um, One thing that's consistent throughout all of the stabbings is that all of the men get stabbed in the eyes. All of them. All of them get stabbed in the eyes. Um, The first person to die in the movie that we see die... Uh, is the, the scriptwriter? Yeah, it's the scriptwriter, and we see him in the elevator, and his eyes have been gouged out. Yeah. Uh, and by the end of the movie, Tadokoro is dead, be, having been stabbed in the eye. The the crazy fan, the me Mania fan, has been stabbed in the eye, and he's dead. And we just saw the photographer who was stabbed in the eye and stabbed in the penis, mm-hmm. uh, which is also very, very frank and forward. Obviously. <laughs> right. Um, about why he's being punished. The movie doesn't hide it. The movie's not ter- terribly subtle about it. The stabbing scene is intercut. It's cross-cut with images of her of her nude photo shoot. And, and him here- T- telling her to take off her clothes.
0: Here's more of Mima not knowing what's real um, She finds in the closet a bag of bloody clothes uh, and and we don't know if she just woke up from having gone out and killed this guy
1: right exactly like it she wakes up from it and you think okay did that actually happen was it a dream she gets a call she realizes that person's actually dead we don't know if she knows that person is dead we never get that information but it seems the way it's cut you it makes you feel like well we just saw her stab him and we she just woke up so that's on her mind it must be and then she gets a call and she's immediately told that information and the audience is none the wiser we don't know whether or not she had any idea that he was dead before Tadokoro told her that he was dead. Right. right? Uh, she looks in the closet. Like she turns on the TV. She sees it on the news. She looks in the closet and finds the the bloody uh, pizza delivery person mm-hmm. uh, uniform. Um, and and she doesn't know what's going on. I mean, at this point, we're really meant to believe that. I suppose that she did it. Right. At this point, that's what we're meant to believe. Um, which ends up. Not and she being starts.
0: The case. She's she's here looking at the body. Um, and she's. In an acting scene, and she's starting to freak out because she can't tell what's real and what's not real anymore.
1: Um, and she wakes up again.
0: And we don't know if that was real.
1: Again and again and, and again, again and, and again. The, I mean, again. it's really and this this scene that we're going into right now. This scene is um, it's probably the one scene in the movie that will throw people off the most. Uh, and it's probably the one scene that if you're gonna create like a fan theory about what's actually going on in this movie, this is the scene that you would base it on. Well,
0: and you're saying that like that, but I mean I kind of I lean a little bit toward the fan theory that that is that does stem from this scene. Um I'm not so convinced that everything is roomy, that everything
1: is. Which we do find out at the end that it's roomy uh, okay, has so, been orchestrating all of the killings. If she hasn't been killing people herself, she's been posing as Mima and contacting the Mania fan guy uh and influencing him and convincing him to go out and kill for her um but yeah in in this
0: scene In this scene the the woman who has been playing her um her mentor uh, uh, not has been playing uh, but the woman who is her uh, her elder in the acting industry yes, her name is Eddie Airy. Yeah um she is talking to Mima in a room and and she's talking to her saying and when she comes out she says that to the men that she's with who we've seen before and we just assumed that they were part of the acting crew that they were actors in the show but she says to them that she she thinks she's named Mima she thinks that she's this girl but actually she has multiple personality disorder right and um and she starts going on saying that and gives us the impression that the entire movie has been in her head. Right. That the she, the Ari goes on to explain that e, that she even thinks that she's in a drama and that's how she's justifying everything and convincing herself that everything is okay. And the the thing that gets me that makes me feel like maybe this scene actually is the core of this movie is that she calls her by name. In a TV show, she wouldn't call her by her actual name that we know her by it as the character Mima, right. Um, and she calls her Mima. And your belief is that that's the delusion, that de- that the delusion is that this is actually just a scene of the TV show. I
1: think it is 100% for the audience. I think it is absolutely metaphor, uh, and it is confusing. But,
0: but nothing else does it that specifically.
1: <clears throat> it doesn't, but I think that it's putting that out there because it's trying to draw, uh, draw an image. It's trying to draw a metaphor for the audience. Here's how it plays to me, okay? Based on that scene, the audience is limited to that scene the audience is now meant to believe that mima is actually someone named yoko takakura uh-huh. right so yoko believes that she is an idol turned actress named mima right who plays a model in a drama series named dika takakura right incidentally the character of dika also has a dissociative identity disorder and has killed her sister, Yoko Takakura, bringing the pers- persona cyclically back to the original real world person, right? The fact that the original persona has been killed in this delusion is the key takeaway from all this. That's all you need to know is that, that in that scene, we are presented with information to let us know that the person experiencing these delusions has killed her original persona, Right it shows that this woman is trapped in the delusion and cannot return to her old self which is a concept the movie has been playing with these, this entire time in fact the delusions that she's been having seeing the older version of Mima mm-hmm. in like the, the little cham costume and right. everything she tells her straight off, straight up you cannot go back to your old self you're dirty now remember like yeah. that, that whole thing mm-hmm. that we talked about that's the entire point of that scene it's all of it is is a metaphor to support that idea that that original persona is dead what she used to be is dead and she Cannot return to it anymore.
0: I get what you're saying. I totally, I totally think that's there, and I'm not, I'm not uh, uh, saying that that that's not what you're meant to take away from it as well. I just think that that I'm not sure I know what's real and what's not anymore, f- completely because of that scene. And you're because not, and that's they the point. use because she calls her Mima. Because if this were just the TV show that she's filming, which later when when we Flash away from that, and it rewinds. Yeah, Yeah, that's what it does. It flashes away, and it rewinds, and we hear the same words, except not quite the same words, and their words and names that fit with the TV show she's been doing.
1: I think the purpose of that is actually to show us how the scene actually happened, instead of what, instead of the metaphorical way in which we saw it play out before.
0: I get what you're saying, but the way I read that retcon of the scene is. Okay, back to what you've been experiencing the whole time. That was your one brief glimpse into the actual world of this story, and now we're going to go back to her delusions.
1: I well, mean, I, I mean, I I, I get, I guess, but I I mean, the thing about it is is that thinking at, thinking about it from that angle if all of this is del- is a delusion, if everything that she's experiencing, if this woman that we're watching right now being chased and nearly raped by this crazy person. I don't think everything person,
0: is is a delusion, it's just her way of dealing with reality. Right, it's
1: her way of dealing with reality, but I I don't I don't know that there's enough else in the movie to
0: I think the events actually happen. It's just that sometimes she puts them into situations. Right. Where... But I don't
1: know what the takeaway is from that. That's what I'm trying to say is that if this is, in fact, the, the the you know, a grand delusion to as, you know, as is said within what I believe is the, uh, the metaphorical scene to protect her heart, to kind of protect her head and protect her psyche and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, I don't know what the takeaway is from that, because the other themes in the movie don't exactly mesh with that to me.
0: I don't see how they don't mesh with it. Um, I think they mesh with it.
1: I mean, I, I, guess I don't they see do. how they. I, could, mean,
0: I mean, we. I'm not saying that she wasn't really an idol. She probably was really an idol, and she, maybe she even did go into acting. Like all of that is a possibility. I, don't know, I,
1: I think it's. I think it's a little too damning. I think it's a little too damning of of her as a character, uh, which in turn is kind of damning of celebrity in general. When, I mean. I, I think that, that what we should take away from this is is that uh, that we need to reevaluate how we value women in media and we need to reevaluate. Yes, I
0: think that's true.
1: Uh, I, I think that, that that's that's the takeaway is it's it's kind of a kind of a cautionary tale. It's kind of saying, listen, this is right. This but, is damaging on a psychological level.
0: But if that's the case, then the ending that actually exists to this movie that that clearly exists that you don't like doesn't necessarily mesh with that concept because the takeaway from it is just that, I mean, she's totally fine doing all the stuff she's done and it really shouldn't have had any repercussions. But because this other woman was fat and unattractive, then it made her jealous. And yeah, well, that's, that's going to make you kill that's people. That's
1: kind of why I hate the ending. <laughs> I mean, I hate but the ending, the
0: ending still exists.
1: I mean, that's true. That's true. Um, I don't know, I, I, I can't subscribe to that because I don't I, I don't think there's enough
0: I'm not saying I totally there. am am like sold on that concept. I'm just saying that every time I watch this movie, I hit that point and I'm like, Oh hell, is this it? Is this the moment that, that I'm actually supposed to be awake in this story? Is this my one brief glimpse into the real world of this story? And the rest of it I sincerely don't know what's real and what's not.
1: So we 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 just came from a scene where uh, Mima was attacked by Mimania, uh where he chased her around and tried or to rape her. her. And, you know, I'm uh, analyzing the scene and looking at the scene. I, I have to say I did struggle a bit with Mimania's motivation in trying to rape Mima before killing her. But... I'm pretty confident in what I'm about to say. I'm pretty confident that it is an indictment by con of idol fandom that holds these women up on these pedestals of purity, but that there's always this underlying layer mm-hmm. of sexual desire to it.
2: Absolutely, kind of, there this is. kind
1: perviness. Mimania has been convinced. He's convinced that this woman that he's trying to rape is not the real Mima, but surely, surely she looks like the real Mima to him, considering that she is the real Mima. His attempt to rape her represents the subtle sexualization of pop idols by their predominantly male fandoms while they hypocritically hold them up as these paragons of like Puritanism or something. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that I think that it is absolutely an indictment of that, uh, you know, that I don't know, that that that, that kind of fandom um, and how problematic it is and how objectifying it is. Right. How gross and shitty it is. Yeah. If I'm just going to be because I'm going to be gonna put on front street, it's gross and shitty and I hate it.
0: Yeah. But. It's messed up.
1: Yeah. So um
0: here's the moment where I really start to
1: This is the point. like po-
0: the ending of this This movie. is the point in the movie Her where are showing is like shitty, like yeah. the fat bulges and stuff coming out of the little costume and everything. I'm just not I'm not a fan of the messages that I'm getting here, which are that this woman is too old now to be an idol. She's too old and too unattractive to be like Mima. And so when Mima doesn't do the things she wants her to do, she's just gonna kill everybody and then kill Mima. And and I think that's I don't think that's the best message that this movie could have ended with when it's been so strong feminist in a from a feminist perspective yeah, the entire exactly. time. And then it's kind of like, but, you know, when you're an old woman, then you're envious of younger women.
1: Like, it, it, I mean, I you hate can, that concept. You can, I, I hate that concept too. And I, 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 you can, I think that if it didn't have all of these little threads throughout the movie to support this idea that, um, that she, that this is all coming from a place of jealousy, that it's all coming from a place of I used to be young and beautiful, and I used to be an idol too, and fuck this girl for not wanting to be an idol and not remaining pure and keeping. I would
0: have I would have been fine with with the uh, the gender different differenti- differentiation, but like I would have been fine with the fact that we had both a male and female representation of obsession. And obsession with purity and obsession with whatever. Because I don't think it's a strictly male thing. I think that women can be just as crazy in that kind of regard, too. Right. So so I'm fine with there also being a woman who's doing the same things that the crazy stalker guy is doing, essentially. However, I don't think that that that's the point that they're making with it. The the point they make with it is that with the man, it's a sexual thing. And with this woman, it's an envy thing. Right. And when when you throw this in here constantly the 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 concept of older women being envious of younger more beautiful women has been used throughout all of history Overused. just to divide yeah. women it divides women it it
1: turns women on each other it
0: turns women on each other mm-hmm. unnecessarily because of male standards, because yes, of male standards exactly. of beauty and, and, that's, and virginity, that's, and, and I
1: think that you you can read into this that it is those male standards, those male established standards of beauty that, that make Rumi do this. That, that make Rumi do this, but at the same time, she is very clearly mentally ill and that's i think that's the only thing that you should take away from this but you yeah. don't because it's got all of those other things threaded it into it it it's does it does it's got all of They're those other invisible. ideas right you it's got these ideas of jealousy and you know body image and all that kind of stuff that, that that are woven into what is at its core just mental illness and they don't explore the mental illness and force the audience to come to the conclusion that she went crazy because of jealousy yeah. which is psychotic like what's stupid that doesn't make sense. I mean all it, all it does is is is, is enforce this stereotype, enforce stereotype about the, you know, the the uh you know, envy crazed, the jealousy crazed woman. Mm-hmm. And that's fucking bullshit.
0: Snow White and the Queen.
1: Yes. Yes, thank you. Exactly. And I don't think that's what Cohn wanted to say.
0: No, I don't think so either, not when he made a movie like this for the rest of the movie.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like the rest of the movie doesn't support this goofy fucking ending, so I'm 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 not sure. I, yeah, know, I get what
0: you're saying. I I think this ending too is is a mess because of that for me.
1: And it's also like another thing that that bothers me about this ending is that it is up to this point, all of these things that have happening have been so insular and so focused around the experience that that uh, Mima is having. It's been all about her psychology and it's all been about her head and protecting herself and you know her identities and these concepts that we're playing with of celebrity and persona and reality and and, and illusion and all this kind of stuff and entertainment and it takes all of that stuff that's extremely heady and cerebral and ethereal even and it makes it literal and black and white. Mm-hmm. Which nothing is, and also kind nothing of wraps is it up nothing with is like, black and white.
0: like a pretty like happy ending bow too. Yeah. It's like oh. I am the real Mima. That's
1: the fucking worst. It is and the it's worst. <laughs> just like
0: oh, I, yeah, I guess it's, you are. Yeah. But see, that's kind of why I like I like the idea that the one scene in in the room with Airy, with Airy, in your opinion, playing a doctor mm-hmm. on a TV show, and Mima's craziness uh messing up the words in that conversation but in my possible opinion her actually being a doctor and diagnosing mima with multiple personality disorder that kind of part of the reason i like that theory is because then i can sort of wash away this ending and pretend like it doesn't exist that it's all in her head she is crazy and her happy drive away scene where she says I'm the real Mima in the rearview mirror is not true because she's actually in an, in an insane asylum somewhere locked up so
1: yeah but the movie doesn't ever i don't know it doesn't substantiate that <laughs> anyway i don't i i know that you you i don't know do you have you decided that you think that that's what this movie is No i'm is? just
0: saying that that makes me feel better about the ending Oh okay
1: well I, you know i i think that that the movie kind of devolves into this ending. That's re I mean, it's really like quite literally the last 10 minutes of the movie. It's 10 minutes of, you know, an, an hour and 20 minute long movie. Right. Um, and I think that if you can just kind of hand wave away this, this ending and just pretend like the movie actually dealt with these emotional and psychological (laughs) hang-ups that Mima, our main character and really the, what should be the focus of the movie, uh, these hangups that she's having and imagine that she actually deals with them in, in an interesting way. I think you've got a perfect movie, <laughs> but, but unfortunately this ending sucks dicks. <laughs> um, it just turns into kind of a totally literal get the bad guy thriller climax where it's yeah. like, Oh, it was just this woman killing people because she's jealous. And oh, and it kind of paralleled the TV way, show a little oh, bit. And, derp, 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 derp. and she
0: wasn't really going crazy. She was just being made to think she was going crazy. Yeah.
1: Uh, Continuing my point about the climax, I think in this scene right here, it's, (sighs) Mima is going to say that she owes who she is to Numi and kind of, I get the feeling that what she means is to what Numi did, like killing all the people and being the nutty nutty nutcase that she was, right? Mm. Um, Or that she is, she's in an insane asylum. Or a mental hospital <laughs> if we're gonna be PC. <laughs> um but I think it's I think it's really unfair to Numi as a character and to Mima as a character Mima doesn't get to work out her psychological hangups in an interesting way it's just all straight up told like told completely literally where Numi's the bad guy so you don't have anything to worry about you're not crazy after all after all that's it the end and that's what that's that's how Mima gets the short end of the stick Numi gets the short end of the stick. Because we're putting the blame on a mentally ill character without exploring the implications of that, like I said. Mima actually says she owes her present self to what Numi did, which kind of plainly objectifies a mentally ill person as a medium through which to work out your personal issues. (laughs) Both, I, really, both characters get the short end of the stick with this ending, and that's a shame because the rest of the movie is so damn strong thematically, metaphorically, emotionally, visually. Visual, I mean, it's it's kind of the animation is pretty stiff and workmanlike, but I think it works for I what it so is. I think so too. Um, I, I wouldn't call this a beautiful film, uh, as far as animation goes, but it certain it certainly but works I'm, for what it is. I'm it's
0: talking about for. the visual images and stuff in this movie. The, the oh, there are that, some the great images. That it, oh that no, it absolutely, handles that.
1: absolutely. Um, and the fucking mirror shot at the end where she's like, I'm the real thing. And
0: then like the, the like pop song, (laughs) pop song starts with like the saxophone or whatever it is. Oh God. Yeah. I don't know. It's
1: great film. Great, great film. Terrible ending.
0: Yeah. Agreed.
1: And that's I I don't know. Do you have any, do you have any final thoughts on perfect? No,
0: that's about, that's about it for me. That just wraps that right up. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Great film crappy ending. But like I said, if you just pretend like uh, she's crazy the whole time and you let that one scene validate it for you, then you can just pretend like the ending doesn't exist.
1: We actually had a couple questions. Andrew Gleason on, on Facebook asked if uh, if we think that the character models change over time throughout the movie to That's reflect the
0: character models, yeah, change. to
1: reflect the change, I, I think her vocal performance obviously changes, obviously. like we talked yeah. about. But we don't get—I don't think there's any physical transformation that we see. There's a bit of that in the climax, where, she, especially in the moment where she's like. Uh, where Doomy is like going back and forth between being Mima and being Doomy. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, there's a specifically a moment where she is choked, where Mima chokes Doomy, and she goes from being the Mima character to kind of being this grotesque, mm. you know, choked out version of, of Doomy. So you've got that. I, I, but I, don't, I don't know. But I don't think
0: Mima looks else. particularly different, like the real Mima. Yeah. Looks particularly different from the beginning and the end. I mean, certainly her her clothing is different, her demeanor is different, her facial expressions are different. But I don't think the model of the character looks very different.
1: Uh, at Video Vanguard on Twitter says that uh, or asks if if an American made remake of this movie or American made movie like this with you know the same visuals and the things that they explore, if it would be considered pornographic.
0: Mm. I think it just like anything that has a rape scene in it or anything sexually questionable like that anything that deals with sexuality at all let's be honest is going to be something that there will be people who hold little picket marches outside the theater saying of that course. they don't they don't want it to happen but, but if
1: they're not i mean if they're not willing to to give the film a chance and see if uh the use of of rape specifically like this movie use if it uses it responsibly and it uses it to inf- educate and educate and inform about rape culture and to and stop to, it Right, to enrich the, the themes and the narrative and the characters in the film uh, in a way that's that's responsible, I, I think... I
0: absolutely don't think that, um, that, that pretending like things don't exist by not showing them is any way to handle getting rid of them. Right. Uh, if we just pretend that rape doesn't exist in our movies and our films and our books and our TV shows by never, ever showing it because that would make people think that it really happened. Well, it does fucking really happen, so... And the so way to talk about it is sometimes to show it. Yeah,
1: let's talk about rape because we need to. But right. So I so
0: yes, I'm sure people would some people would think it was pornographic, but but those people would yeah. be wrong.
1: <laughs> uh apparently there was a live action Japanese remake of this. It's this is based on a book, but apparently that was a bit more lascivious and was it? kind of show-ti- showtime showtime movie. <laughs>
0: that's unfortunate.
1: I'll let that be the last word if that's okay with you.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's fine.
1: So now that we've reached the end of the movie, we'd like to read a five-star review that we received on iTunes. This review comes from Dog Face Wiener. Good name. Dogface Wiener. This podcast is fantastic. It's filled with interesting tidbits and commentary on the underlying themes of the films. Jessica and Dustin have great points of view and provide an entertaining experience to listen to along with the film or as an individual episode. I absolutely recommend it. Thank you so much, Dogface Wiener.
0: Thank you, and you got a great name. If you'd like to leave us a rating and review on iTunes, we'd really appreciate it. And if it's a five-star review, we'll even rate it on the show.
1: As always, you can find us on our website at popcornpoops.com. Please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook if you'd like to receive updates about the show, including our weekly movie still identification game. If you have a question, comment, or movie request for us, you can reach us on our social media outlets or by emailing us at thepopcornpoops at gmail.com.
0: Next week, we'll be continuing our month of anime films with Hiroyuki Okiyura's A Letter to Momo from 2011. If you have any questions about that movie or related topics you'd like us to discuss, please contact us through social media or email.
1: Thanks for listening, and until next time, take care.
0: Bye-bye! We
1: are the Popcorn Peeps. Hey there, listeners. My name is Ray. And I'm Luke.
2: Together we are... The The Super Super Hammer Hammer Brothers. Brothers. On our podcast, we talk about video games, anime, comics, and so much more. Hit a clip from one of our episodes. I am a huge Fire oh, Emblem yeah, yeah, fan. I play Fire Emblem. I get a blast out of instead of Marth. Marth, you can leave Marth, you know? Marth, just what, go. Why do we have against Marth? Marth is boring. He is the boringest guy in history. He is he's like Goku. He's like the guy who comes to say, hey, guys. How's it going? I'm here to help you save everybody. I mean, like, no, no. Goku's funny because he's stupid. Forget Marth, and then bring back Roy. That's what I say. So if you listen to Nintendo, we're we're sort of going to hashtag bring Roy back. Roy's our boy. Uh, It should be Roy, Ike, Lucina, and Robin. That's who you need. Forget Marth. Marth, we don't (laughs) need Marth. Lucina's Marth, and she's better than him. We're done. If you're interested in hearing more from us, go to our website, superhammeredbros.com. You can also listen to us on iTunes, watch us on YouTube, and follow us on Twitter. Once again, we are the Super Hammered Bros, and we hope you will geek out with us.